Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. All right, my dear brothers, back. Christian Daytok, White House correspondent, Washington examiner, seasoned journalist, and really an extraordinary person. Christian, welcome. Dr. Ritchie, thanks for having me back. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, man. All right, we're glad to have you back. Glad to have you back. Well, some things have changed since the last time you're on the show. Primarily, I want us to talk about the announcement for president from Governor Ron DeSantis, excuse me. And the governor has decided to run against woke policies. I have some ideas as to what that means. However, it has not been clarified by the governor himself. What are your thoughts about running against woke policy? And do you think you know what it means? And is it a winning strategy in a general election? You know, Dr. Ritchie, I'm not really sure anyone can define what quote unquote woke policies are right now. Perhaps not even Governor DeSantis himself. I think it would be smarter if he was focusing on running against Donald Trump, mm. who last time I checked is holding something like a 50 point average lead in all of the polling indexes. And, you know, let's be honest, is, is the de facto king of the Republican Party. Now, DeSantis is trying to cut his own lane and say, I'm just like Donald Trump when it comes to policy, but I'm willing to fight this fight. I'm not going to cozy up to DC or, you know, New York City elites, whatever you might want to call them, and sort of bow down to this quote unquote woke mob. But this is causing a problem for the Republican donor class because they just think this message, while it might win a primary, is unelectable when it gets to the general election. And a lot of people I'm talking to in Washington right now who don't want to see Republican atop that, or excuse me, don't want to see Trump atop that Republican ticket are very unhappy with how DeSantis has gotten out of the gate. Let's talk about the reality of strategy in the Republican primary. As you know, it is decided by way of what we call a plurality. There is no 50% plus one mandate. There is no you win a state, you win or take all. Literally, you kind of fight and if you have a lot of people running, well, they split the base and you do a vote total for the most part. Donald Trump really did not impress me with his victory totals. The first time he ran in the Republican primary. But it was impressive in this one sense. The mainstream Republicans all split their base. And you look at the primary that he ran the first time, he didn't win the majority of voters in the state. He didn't need to. It was severely split with the mainstream Republicans. He consolidated a particular base. He actually brought some others to the voting ranks of the Republican primary that had not voted before or had not voted in a long time. That was his strategy for victory. With DeSantis in the race, it presents a different dynamic. There's a different thing. Because DeSantis is the one candidate who authentically is also supported by those who support Trump. And while Trump's numbers are currently strong, I think DeSantis, while it continues to progress the, the election, I think DeSantis will close in on Donald Trump at some point. What say you to that? I think in theory, you're right. The The biggest thing hurting Ron DeSantis right now is the fact that he's not running one-on-one against yeah. Trump. He's taking fire from folks like Nikki Haley, uh, Tim Scott, both uh, fine upstanding Republicans from the state of South Carolina, where I went to college. 
uh, but others down the line. Mike Pence is expected to announce this week, as is former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. So if this was a one-on-one race, I think DeSantis would be, uh, you know, have a higher chance of pulling off some of those diehard MAGA folks uh, who might be, you know, disillusioned with how Trump behaved in the latter part of 2020. Uh, you know, let alone everything he had done in office before then. But I think you're right in that as more of these down ballot lesser candidates drop out, you're going to see Trump's lead, um, you know, shrink and rather rapidly. The big problem here, and this is sort of what I alluded to uh, in my in my opening statement, is you know how far does DeSantis's wallet really take him? Trump has this huge war chest. He's had more bit or excuse me, more small donor um, support from any Republican candidate we've seen in modern history. So whether or not he gets the backing of groups like Americans for Prosperity or you know the the National Economic Council or anything. It's it's going to propel him through and have a, a a lengthy ad buy and ability to you know project his message to those Republican primary voters. We don't know if DeSantis has the staying power for he's going to be someone like Scott Walker, who was the prohibitive favorite heading into the 2016 primary, but then flamed out before any primary votes were even cast, just because he couldn't afford to stay on the airwaves like a Jeb Bush or like a Ted Cruz. So money is going to matter big time in this election. But I do think one thing that Trump actually has over DeSantis is his ability to attack DeSantis head on. In Iowa, South Carolina, New Hampshire, all of these early stops that DeSantis has made since announcing, he didn't necessarily attack Trump you know, out its face. He danced around and attacked sort of you know, the legal problems that he had. He was happy to attack Joe Biden head on, but everything negative he said about Trump that we had seen in political reports, he usually said behind closed doors to reporters and not up there on the, you know, in front of the podium or on the stage. It's something that he's going to need to come to grips with. If you want to wear the crown, you got to kill the king. And because both of these guys seem to be disagreeing on a potential debate schedule, the American public or at least the Republican primary voters probably aren't going to see or have an opportunity to watch these two duke it out on stage and decide which one they actually back because the messaging in many ways is very the same. Well said, and let me add this caveat. Politics in America in particular has always carried a level of tribalism for it to exist and to be relevant. That tribalism has been enhanced during this era and particularly inside of the Republican Party. So that makes Donald Trump, even though he holds no official position with the Republican Party, he is in fact their tribal leader. And the Republicans or the MAGA supporters, they have all conditioned their brand and their people to believe that in order to be a man's man or effective, whatever it may be, you gotta be in your face. You have to be willing to fight. That's why DeSantis took the positions he took in the state of Florida. He called out people, he made laws against folk. He decided to fight one of the biggest companies on the planet Earth, all right? He did this because it aligned to the indoctrination and branding of the conservative movement. Conservatives appreciated his stance on these items where he called out these individuals, they liked it. Then all of a sudden, he runs for president and he is not capable 
of doing the same thing with one particular candidate. As a matter of fact, none of them are, nobody. I mean, Nikki Haley said, I'm not running against Trump, I'm running for the Republican nomination. Come on, now you're running against Trump. Everybody's running against Trump. I feel, dear brother, this is just speculation, that no one is going to get a leg up until that moment happens when they stop being scared and they say something against Donald Trump himself. And don't you find it ironic? He's the candidate that has the most negatives in the Republican Party, but he's also the candidate who gets the most passes so that people who are running against him do not mention those negatives. That in itself is a power that Republican voters already see. If you can't talk against the guy you're running against for the position, good luck having someone believe you will stand up for Republicans or for your red meat base inside of a you know, closed door meeting. And I think that's the message permeating inside of those who are taking these polls and showing clearly Trump is still their guy. What are your thoughts? Well, just you know, expanding on your point, if you look at the Republican electorate right now, I would estimate that roughly 40% of them will vote for Donald Trump no matter what. It doesn't matter if that's you know, how brother has another conviction brought against him. Hmm. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you know E. Jean Carroll advances another lawsuit. No matter what happens in the legal sphere, those people are voting for Donald Trump. So as soon as you start attacking that 40%, you know, by de facto, the, the, the MAG of faithful, they're going to turn against you. That's why I'm really interested to see what Chris Christie is going to do once he jumps in the race. Because again, some people we're talking to here in DC and up in New Jersey suggest that based on Christie's past experience with Trump, both during the 2016 primary and when he served as sort of an advisor to Trump's reelection effort in 2020, getting him ready for the debates with Joe Biden, he flat out hates the guy. So you could see someone trying to tank Donald Trump no matter what, even if it means he goes down with the ship, that's going to be pure electricity once you see Chris Christie getting up and really you know, trying to take back his mantle of being the Republican fighter and you know, so to speak, the baddest guy in the room. I can't wait to see that. And I don't think any other candidates really had the stones to try and take Donald Trump on head on. You, you may be correct on the Chris Christie angle still. I mean, it's not a slam dunk. Like we don't know for sure he would take that position, but out of the individuals who have announced, he's definitely more likely than them to do so. Let me ask you about Mike Pence quickly, because I think Mike Pence has a lot of problems running for president. Number one, he basically backed everything that Trump did. And so if there's some dissension, he gets all the negatives of Trump. He won't say anything against the guy, so he cannot basically highlight his positives or things that he disagreed with as it relates to Trump because it looks like a weak and feckless VP if he was in that position. And Trump tried to have him assassinated, okay? If you're not willing to say something about the guy who literally tweeted, he's let us down. He's betrayed us while they're calling for your death to hang you. I don't see what you can say on a debate stage that will make people believe that you are a leader worth considering. So in the context of the problems, I will say that Mike Pence may bring to the table, what are his positives that he could express to the Republican Party? 
Well, the biggest positive to some of these disaffected Republican voters is that he on January 6th did not vote with a number of those House members and a number of those senators to try and overturn the results of the election. That's obviously the biggest distinction. But beyond that, he's not really bringing much to the table. I mean, again, if you look at his 2016 exploratory campaign, no one wanted him in that race in the first place. It was much more crowded in 2017. So perhaps he has a little bit more space to maneuver this time around. But again, to your point, Mike Pence was a steadfast backer of Donald Trump when they were in the White House. It's very hard to differentiate himself from Trump this time around. He's not Tim Scott, who's preaching a very different message, albeit with the same you know, generic conservative policy bona fides. He's not Nikki Haley, who's trying to say, hey, let's get a woman in the White House, especially right. a woman of color. And he's right. not Ron DeSantis, who again, even though he's not attacking Trump 100% head on, He's clearly the most willing to take the gloves off and try and present a new lane for Republicans heading into 2024 in the future. So if I'm Mike Pence right now, you're gonna get a ton of flack from the left and the right when you're running for president. It doesn't seem worth it to me. This is clearly political ambition and it's a problem that a lot of folks have in DC. Just because you wanna be powerful and you know one of the top political leaders in the world, doesn't mean you're qualified to do it and doesn't mean you have the best interest of the American people in mind. Yeah, I think the reason Pence is getting in is because he thinks Trump may not actually make it through the Republican primary given his legal challenges. I think that's his calculation, I believe he authentically holds that to be the case. Also, the irony of what you just said did not miss me because you said, hey, listen, this is one thing. All right, he did he he did certify the elections as he is mandated to do, right? But that very one thing, dear, dear brother, that he did that was actually righteous and within the context of his office that he swore to uphold the Constitution and law, is the one thing that makes him the most unpopular among many conservative voters. Good luck, Mike Pence. Uh, I just, uh, Christian, I appreciate you being on the show. I really, I hope Trump doesn't try to kill Mike Pence again. Uh, tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. You can read my work on the WashingtonExaminer.com or in our daily, weekly magazine. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Talk Radio. Dr. Richie, thanks as always. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. And listen, you are always very fair, very balanced. I'm an opinion guy. You bring the facts, we thank you for your continued leadership in that arena.